not your normal paranormal. Normal is an illusion. What is normal for the spider is chaos for the fly. Come with us on a journey where the cold creeps up on you, where the shadows are larger than life, where you'll lose your courage and possibly your mind. And you like it like that. <laughs> Not Your Normal Paranormal Podcast explores the weird, unnatural, and unknown. Subject matter may vary and may contain graphic or explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Enter at your own risk. Hi everyone, welcome back to Not Your Normal Paranormal. We are back after a pretty decent hiatus. Yeah. Uh, we were just talking before we hit record, or kind of when we hit record, but you won't hear it, about how this is episode nine, when we've been recording for three months, supposedly. <laughs> In our defense, though, for the last two weeks, um, we've had a lot of sick children yeah, between us, and a lot of, well, and a lot of um, sick mothers. Down sickness, but we're back and better than ever. <laughs> anyway, I'm Kat, I'm Kylie, I'm Robin, and we're a family of, of sick people right now. And this week's topic are you ready for it? The lost colony of Roanoke. If you're it, like, if you're listening to this later after we've done 100 episodes, please, people, if we get it together. You'll go, hey, they talked about Roanoke Colony like three episodes ago. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we finally made it. That's what counts. We made it. This week, Robin is going to read our tarot card, and she's using... Daily Guidance from Your Angels Oracle Cards. And the card is Fresh Air. Your body needs refreshment from oxygenated air generated by grass, trees, plants, and flowers. Spend time outside today, as near to Mother Nature's cradle as possible. Open your curtains and windows to refresh your home as well. Which I mean, we took a break, so that was like our little breath of fresh air getting back into this. Oh, please. That's like telling us, hey, stop being sick. So, the angel sent this card to you because you need some fresh air. You've been <laughs> indoors far too long and your body and soul crave oxygen. Open the windows in your home and office to air them out. Then go outside yourself and breathe deeply. If you live in the city, make an escape to the country as soon as possible to breathe as much to breathe some much-needed fresh air. Keep plenty of live plants in your home and office to ensure the steady circulation of oxygen. Additional meanings for this card are exercise outdoors, get some sunshine, or travel to a sunny environment, spend time around trees or plants, reconnect with nature, bring some fresh air into a stale situation or relationship. I was wondering if it was going to get to me, because it's like, outside and get fresh air, and I'm like, I do that every day, card. <laughs> are you for all of us, or are you just for Robin? And then it said, go to someplace sunny, and I'm like, yes, that's me. I'm going someplace sunny. Sunny places are warm, Robin. (laughs) (laughs) We're recording, Mom. (laughs) Well, Marilyn's not that cold right now because, you know, my kids are sick. So, 
fun editing. <laughs> and I mean, there's a child on this card too, you know. He's so. barefoot walking around outside. And the mother's carrying flowers, flowers in a basket. Or something. Well, and she's okay. got pretty purple wings. Let's be honest, yeah, because she's not. Uh, the, uh, is she is she the mother or is she just watching over him? But let's be honest. Can I take a picture of this side too? Um, people tend to keep their kids inside too much nowadays. Yeah. Kids don't get outside as much as they should. People are like, it's too cold. I'm like, mm, 45 degrees is not I'd that like cold. I'd like to, but Put I jacket to get on out there. And get out. Like, it's just when it's been raining and stuff, my, my yard is muddy, so. I know, but they, they still need time outside. I used to sit outside every morning. You can't morning. hose them down, but throw them in the shower. I used to get up at 6 o'clock every morning, whether I was supposed to or not, and sit outside in one of the outdoor chairs and meditate for like 30 minutes and that was then the last 30 minutes I was out there I just sit there with like hot tea or coffee and it's good for but you. I did that for two years straight it's a way to recharge yourself why don't you do it now I don't know because she has trouble dragging herself out of bed at 6 30 dragging myself out of bed at noon sometimes these last couple months have just been hard, but I know yes. that if I get back out there and start doing it again, I'll start feeling better again. It's just doing it. Yeah, that's true. As for me, I don't get out <coughs> and sit with a cup of anything. I'm a water drinker. If you listen to our podcast a lot, you know that, but I get out with the dogs. I'm out walking every morning, whether I like it or not, whether I want to get out of bed or not. And usually I do. I'm constantly I like it. You need to get her outside. She's a mean little butt, so. Don't say that on this podcast. She is. Added to that. Well, the she's hard word is she is independent and she's got sass. She's sweet. We miss her. <laughs> she's sweet down here. Yeah. Well, that's, till, that's what we know. <laughs> wait till she's like way into the family in. Okay, as can be. We're going to cover the Lost City Hurl note before Kylie gets ready because Kylie is going to start. Kylie is covering some serious history and information. I have what been. Kylie's got handwritten notes. Kylie has handwritten notes. I have um, print offs from some articles. And I got my new tablet. Because <laughs> it was there, it was on sale. I like to handwrite because I. Oh, well, I the do information too. sticks better, I do too, and I feel like I learn a lot when I do it, and then also, I'll be able to reflect back and be like, wow, I learned so much on this episode. Okay, I'm not going to feel bad about any of that, because I've been obsessed with the Lost Colony of for a long time, and know a lot about it, so I'm really glad that they're oh. reading it, and especially super interested in it. Kylie wrote like 30 pages. It's 20. <laughs> but like... The only thing I knew about the Lost Colony Ironic up until now was what I know from American Horror Story and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow that was on a TV show for a while. Um, that's so not a lot culture. of information. Luckily, none of us are covering. Um, no, and I'm sure Joe Waters seriously. loved that. He always saw, he, I got yelled at in history class because I was sitting there with an actual book reading when he was doing I history lessons. Asleep, but I was still his favorite because I liked Alice and Krauss. Wow, that's cheap. <laughs> I don't know what I was saying. So if you hear this and you thought I had a thought, I did, but I lost it. <laughs> it's their fault because they wouldn't stop talking. Anyway, before Kylie gets started, I'm going to tell you four little quick facts. She's going to cover these more in depth. Some of them 
Um, one of them I thought was super, super, super interesting because I didn't know this. Like I said, I have been obsessed with this. I've been obsessed with all things paranormal, let's be honest, for a long time. And I'm really glad to see you guys getting into and learning more about some of the stuff that I'm like, okay, let's let's talk about this. I like history. Yeah, we all, every time we get ready to do an episode, we're like, okay, somebody's going to cover the history. Somebody does this and we all want the history. So it's hard. Kylie got the history this time. This anyway. is probably the third episode I've had history on. So. No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. No, I'm, I'm saying, saying we all like it. Okay, my four quick facts, and then Kylie's going to get started. And again, she will, a couple of these, are she's going to cover more in depth. One of them, and the first one, and I don't know why this is the first one, but Virginia, Virginia Dare was the granddaughter of the colony's leader and governor, John White. She'll tell you more about that, because there's more about Virginia Dare than just that. Roanoke Island is about eight miles long and two miles wide. It is um, considered North Carolina now, but I believe when it happened, it was considered Virginia. And do you, do because, you cover yes, in your notes? going over this, half of it's Virginia, and then all of a sudden, the next articles were saying North Carolina. And you were like, wait, what? And I'm like, mm. Do you know why they named Virginia, Virginia? Because it was, no. They named it after the Virgin Queen of England. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. A bridge was built to Roanoke Island in like 2002. It is called the Virginia Dare Memorial Bridge. And here's the most interesting thing. And this is something that I did not know at all. Um, no one is sure where the colony was located on the island. It is likely the settlement is currently underwater due to um, erosion. Now they say that, but when they start the sentence with nobody knows where the colony was located on the island, then... You can't say it's underwater due to erosion because you don't, you don't know where it was located. And also, they wouldn't have kept it I'll super get, close I'll get to them. Into some of that at the end when we look when we talk about how um, they had rescue missions for the lost colony. But like, I mean, we'll get more into that. But the thing is, is a lot of the rescue missions failed because due to weather conditions and other factors, they couldn't even get to the island right so how do they know right well it says that one of the facts in there was they didn't even build a bridge to it until 2002 can you imagine 2002 how far how from it the, from the mainland was it i don't know hang on and i'll tell you it told me how long the island was yeah i got that too eight miles long and two wide yes okay let's see kylie you start and i'll look this up and interject it somewhere Okay, so it's, okay, Roanoke was a small barrier island that was eight miles in length, two miles in width, which I forgot to write the two miles down, but I remember that. Okay, Roanoke rests on the northern coastal tip of North Carolina. Um, the land was wet, but fertile, and it was not the first choice of John White, but I mean... That comes after the first expedition there. So there's a reason why. But um, the Roanoke Island Colony was the first English settlement in the New World. Um, it was founded by English explorer Sir Walter Riley. 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 Well, you can pronounce it either way because, you know, they named a city in North Carolina after him. Yeah. Some people pronounce it Riley and some people pronounce it. Raleigh. The whole time I did this, I, I fought with which one that was. 
or how to pronounce it. Um, anyways, it was August 1585. The first 1585. colonists, yeah, the first colonists didn't fare well, suffering from dwindling food supplies and Indian attacks. In 1586, they returned to England aboard a ship captained by Sir Francis Drake. In 1587, Riley sent out another group of about 117 colonists under John White. Um, which was made up of 97 men, 17 women, and nine boys that made landfall on July 1587. White returned to England to pro procure more supplies, but the war with Spain delayed his return in August 1590, and everyone had vanished. That's just like the basic overview of everything we're about to dive into. Right. That's, that was just... That was just basics. Just to, so you can follow along and now you know a little bit about what's going to be going on when we're talking. So, the first colony was established in 1585. It was basically just an expedition to look at the land. They evacuated in 86, um, which I think I'm, am I touching on the I didn't touch on the first, first one, did I? I don't think so. I think you did the second and the third. Okay, so the first, first one was basically to get a lay of the land and such. So the second one was established in 1585 and evacuated in 86, 1586. And then it was reestablished in 1587, abandoned in 1590. And I don't know what those were, but they're names with dates. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah, I do. Ralph Lane, 1585 to 86, he was in charge of that colony, and John White was in charge of the second one in 1587. If I would have put the dates together, okay. So let me see here, because I okay. The Lane Colony. We'll start there because that was the second. And I don't know why I have that. Well, I guess. We'll know that because I go into more of that later. It's just like a little whatever about the third colony with John White. Like basically stuff that I cover throughout. Okay. I should have read through my notes before we did this and outlined it again. But... The Lane Colony. Riley planned a large military operation focused on exploration and evaluation of natural resources. The intender, the blah, 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 Lord, the intended number of colonists is unknown, but there was an estimated about 600 men were sent on the voyage, um, with probably half of that was intended to stay in the colony. Um, that would follow a second wave. Ralph Lane was the appointed governor of the colony, and Philip Amadez would serve as admiral, although the fleet commander, Sir Richard Greenville, led the overall mission. Civilian attendees included... Um, oh my goodness, what's wrong with my handwriting? Um, m m metal... 
somebody that had to do with metal. Um, I cannot pronounce that name to save my life. Joaquin Gaines, scientist Thomas Harriet, and artist John White. The fleet consisted of seven ships. Um, I should have gone into all of those, but I didn't. Because, I mean, there's seven ships. On April 9th, 8, 1585, the fleet departed Plymouth, heading south through the Bay of Biscay. A severe storm off the coast of Portugal separated the Tiger from the rest of the fleet and sank one of the <clears throat> one of the pinnaces. Fortunately, Fernandes had had advised a plan for such an occurrence, wherein the ships would meet up at um, wherein the ships would meet up at Mosquetel, a bay on the <coughs> south coast of Puerto Rico. Proceeding alone, the Tiger made good speed for the Caribbean, arriving at the rendezvous point on May 11th, ahead of all the other ships. The remainder of the fleet... I hate that it sounds like I'm reading. <laughs> the remainder of the fleet never arrived at the rendezvous point. At least one of the ships encountered difficulties near Jamaica and ran out of supplies, causing its captain, captain to send 20 of his crews ashore. The loss of provisions from the Tiger meant that the colony would support would have support for fewer settlers than originally planned. Greenville decided that only 100 would stay with Lane, which would be enough to fulfill the colony's objectives until the other fleet, scheduled to leave England on June, in June 1585, could deliver the second wave of colonists and supplies. Following an initial exploration, so I guess we touched on a little bit, Thomas Harriet and John White got an opportunity to extensively study Native American society Noting the inhabitants and natural resources, a silver cup was reported missing. Believing the item stolen, Greenville sent Amadeus to lead, and I butchered his name, I know it, to lead a, de a detachment back to demand the return of the missing property. When the villagers did not produce the cup, the English decided that severe retribution was necessary in order to avoid... The appearance of weakness. Amadis and his men burned down the entire town and its crops, sending the natives fleeing. Wow. Did, did it talk about before then how good terms they had prior to the disappearance of the silver cup? I think it did, but for some reason I didn't write it down. Because the, what happened with the second um, expedition is... Um, it was still mostly men at that point. There were no women and children in the second one. And they were there to explore and to discover. But they were on friendly terms with the Native Americans. They um, helped each other out. And probably more the Native Americans helping them out than the other Especially way around. Especially since they had a bunch of provisions lost from only half of their ships making landfall. Right. But they used to, like, have dinners together. And what well, was essentially dinners. And... Um, the Native Americans were teaching them how to plant and and different plants and stuff prior to this incident. Anyway, go ahead. I just wanted that out there. Um, one of the natives arranged a meeting for Greenville and Lane with Geronimo. I'm pretty sure is how you pronounce his name. Probably not. All of these names are just 
Native American-y, like, severely. Yeah, let me see. It's right there. So they set up a meeting for Greenville and Lane to meet with him to provide land for the English settlement on Roanoke Island. Both sides agreed that the island was strategically located for access to the ocean and to avoid detection from Spanish patrols. Lane began construction. Oh, my goodness. I almost... Okay, so I was reading that with the A where the O is. <laughs> Lane began construction of a fort. Fort. And I almost said it because in my head I said I, I On the northern side of the island. There are no surviving renderings of the Roanoke Fort, but it was likely similar in structure to the one at Muscatel. I was looking up a picture. I'm sorry to interrupt Kylie right here. Um, and the only reason she stopped is because we're passing stuff back and forth in front of her face. But I wanted her to see the layout of the island because they're talking about um, how hard it was to get there because of the weather. And you just talked about how good it was um, because it had access to the ocean and some kind of protection from the Spanish. But look at it. It's got Nags Head Island, which I don't think that's what it was called back then on this side so they would have had to come up and around or down and around to even get to this island and that's why i looked up robins because i wanted to see what it looked like if they had any kind of topographical map of what it would look like in 1585 and that's you should screenshot that and send it so i can post it with the social media post okay i will um last thing and then <laughs> kyla's going to continue is I appreciate this because I was looking, looking, looking to see how far away Roanoke was from the mainland. And I got the mainland pub, which is <laughs> so after a lot of finagling and like Google, please tell me what I want to know. And Google was like, no, no, this. I went, okay, how long is the Virginia Dare Memorial Bridge? And it gave me feet. <laughs> For anybody who wants to know, there's like 5,280 feet in every mile. <laughs> And the bridge is eight miles and like, it's not even eight and a half. It's like eight and a quarter miles long. So that's how far away it is from the mainland. Because I mean, because from this picture that well, is on my printout, it doesn't look like it's that far away. Later on this, I'll talk about the mainland a little bit. Okay. But now many, I'll quit interrupting. Many colonists... Hmm. Many colonists joined the mission expecting to find gold and silver. When no such resources were located, these men became disappointed. Wow, that is really bad writing. And decided the operation was a waste of their time. The colonists spent fall of 1585 acquiring corn from the neighboring villages um, to augment their limited supplies. They obtained enough corn to sustain them through winter. Little information about what transpired at the colony between September 1585 and March 1586, making a fall assessment of the winter impressive. Hmm. Most likely due to the colonists exhausting their English provisions and American corn by October. In June, the colonists made contact with the fleet of Sir Francis Drake on his way back to England from successful campaigns. During the raids, Drake acquired refugees, slaves, and hardware with the intent of delivering them to Riley's colony. Drake agreed to leave behind four months of supplies and a ship 
but then the hur there was a hurricane and it took it swept the ship to sea. So Drake left them a ship, but a hurricane caused the ship to go to sea. So then their ship was gone. So basically, the colonists are now stranded again. Okay. After the I didn't know they left him a ship. Yeah, Drake left him um, four months of supplies and a ship, and I'm pretty sure he left some of the refugees and slaves. Okay, this was the second, right? We're not to the third yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. After the storm, Lane persuaded his men to evacuate the colony, and Drake agreed to take them back to England. Five of Lane's colonists were left behind and never heard from again because the colony was abandoned it's unclear what became of the slaves and refugees. There is no record of them arriving in England with the fleet. It's possible that Drake just left them on Roanoke. Drake's fleet and Lane's colonists wretch England in July 1586. <laughs> oh. And now... So there's no... There's no documentation of what happened to them. There's no documentation of what so happened like, to the did, did they come? slaves nah. or the refugees. Did we leave them in Roanoke? Nah. Did we toss them overboard halfway back to England? Maybe. But then they left five colonists behind as well. That's another thing. Um, that Because Kylie didn't cover the first expedition. The first expedition was was really just uh, seek and, and learn. Yeah. That's really all they were doing. Can but, we inhabit this island? Who would have this island? But the Will first... Expedition were the ones who made friends with the Native Americans to begin with. Because, yeah, but the first expedition, when the first expedition went back to England, they actually took two of the Native Americans with them. I don't have the names handy. I can look it up and I can put it on social media. But they took two Native Americans back to them to tell England the wonders of the land. Yes, it's Manteo. Manteo was one of them. Yes, yes. They traveled. They actually got on the ship and traveled back with these men to England so that they could tell, um, I'm going to say the queen. I'm going to guess they got an audience with the queen since it was, you know, her mission to begin with. Um, about the resources, the wonderful, like, vast amount of space. And that's only what they saw from Roanoke and, and North Carolina. And all of the resources that were available. So I'm just trying to give you history on how good the relationship between um, the first expedition and even the beginning of the second expedition yeah. was with the Native Americans until the incident of the Tin Cup. Yeah. Okay, go. So, and then they're tossing people overboard halfway back to England. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> yeah. So next we cover the Lost Colony, which is like literally like a huge chunk of... Yes, but we love it. Yes, because this is where everything happens. Yeah, we're so, done with the preliminaries. Done with the foreplay. Let's get to business. <laughs> despite, the dis despite the desertion of the Lane Colony, Riley was persuaded to make another attempt by Richard... I cannot read my handwriting. Thomas Harriet and John White. However, Roanoke Island would no longer be safe for English settlers following the hostilities between Lane's men and the Sacatellan. Yes. And the death of... Um, this covers a little bit more about what happened with Lane and them. Um, Wingna? Yeah, Wingna. Wingna. Um, Lane held him hostage and killed 
Okay, yeah. Blaine held him hostage and then killed him. Richard recommended Chesapeake Bay as the site for the new colony, in part because he believed the, the Pacific coast lay just beyond the explored area. On January 7, 1587, Riley approved a corporate charter to found the city of Riley with White as governor and Richard's assistants. Or no, 12 assistants. It looks like an R, though. 12 assistants. 117 people agreed to join the colony, including White's pregnant daughter and her husband. Yes, that's Virginia Dare's parents. <laughs> <laughs> the expedition. Her, go ahead. Her name is Elizabeth, right? Elizabeth, yes. Um, I think I touched Sorry. on it somewhere in here. I remember it vaguely. The expedition included three ships, and the fleet departed on May 8th. There was the flagship Lion. Flyboat, maybe? And a pinnace. On July 22nd, the flagship and pinnace anchored at Hatteras Island. White planned to take 40 men aboard the pinnace to Roanoke, where he would consult with the 15 men. So I guess it was 15 instead of 5. 15 men stationed there by Greenville before continuing on to Chesapeake Bay. I don't know. Oh, Okay. Just so I have this clear, he decided to leave some men on Roanoke while he continued on to Chesapeake Bay. Yes. Okay. And he was on the flyboat. So and this is the second expedition? Okay. Because they wanted the second colonists to land at Chesapeake. Right. But something um, happened. So, once he boarded the pinnace, however, a man on the flagship representing... Fernandez ordered the sailors to leave the colonists on Roanoke. The following morning, White's party located the site of Lane's colony. The fort had been dismantled white while not white, while the houses stood vacant and overgrown with melons. There was no sign of Greenville's men except for human bones. Wow, okay. Did we touch on who Fernandez is? Um, no, not really. Because when it's when it says the flagship representing Fernandez, that makes me think of um, a, like a Spanish. Because the, the Spanish are the ones who sent out, you know, Christopher Columbus. <laughs> he came on their behalf. I'm, I'm wondering why they have the authority to order them to go, no, nope, you're not going to Chesapeake Bay. You have to stay here. want to say it's listed here somewhere because I know that I mentioned his name. I was just curious. It's okay. People know by now that I'm nosy and I can um, get over myself. He's like a general or something, I mean. Okay, maybe that's why. Um, following the arrival of the flyboat on July 25th, all of the colonists disembarked. While dispatched Stafford to reestablish relations with the Croatoan. He's navigator. Okay. With the help of Mentio, the Croatoan described how a coalition of mainland tribes described. I don't know why there's how. He described a coalition of mainland tribes. The colonists attempted to negotiate a truce through the Croatoan but received no response. On August 9th, White led 
a pre <coughs> a preemptive strike on I do not like his name. Thank you. Is that doctor? No, it's a D-A-S-A-M-O-N-G-U-E. Oh my gosh, that's somebody. Okay, we're not even gonna. We're not it's, even gonna. It's, it's a attempt it's, it. It's the name of somewhere. It's a somewhere. It's not. A oh, name it's a place. Of, yeah, it's a place. Dolphin. It's Dawson. I don't know. I'm not even gonna pronounce it. Sorry, people. Um, but the enemy had withdrawn from the village, and the English accidentally attacked Croatoan looters. Manteo again, smooth relations between the colonists and the Croatoan. For his service to the colony, Manteo was baptized and named Lord of Roanoke and whatever the name of that other place is. But my handwriting is pretty there. It is pretty, but that's a long word and it's... Is it is it a Native American word? Is that why we're having a problem with it? I think so. Okay. It's the name of the... On August 18th, 1857, Eleanor Dare gave birth. I guess it was Eleanor. As Eleanor. I knew it started with an E. Sorry, Eleanor Dare gave Elizabeth. birth to a daughter, Christian... Christian. Christian, yep. Virginia, in honor of being the first colonist born in America. That's what I found. I did not see nothing about it being... Her named after? No, no, no. The state Virginia, not her. Oh, the okay. state Virginia was named after the, the Virgin. And she Queen. was named after being born there. Right. Okay. Records indicate Marjorie. Marjorie something gave birth shortly thereafter, but that's not really important. Yeah, they didn't record it because only the first one apparently mattered, Rube. And probably just because she was the governor's granddaughter. Uh, it was probably the first one. It's going mean, to be significant. Too, it's going to yeah. be significant to have, like, as you're coming to a place as a colonist, that the children that you have are kind of your footstone, your foundation in the colony. So the first one would be more important. Yeah, I get that, but still. I know. They should have told us. We don't even know if it was a boy or a girl. He had a baby. By the time the fleet was preparing to return to England, the colonists had decided to relocate 50 miles 50 miles up. Is that a name? Yeah, it's a name of a place. Uh, uh, Abermite Sound? Sure. The colonists persuaded Governor White to return to England to explain the colony's desperate situation and ask for help. White reluctantly agreed and departed with the fleet on August 27, 1587. After a difficult journey, White returned to England on November 5th, 1587. By this time, reports of the Spanish Armada mobilizing for an attack had wretched London, and Queen Elizabeth had prohibited any able ship from leaving England so that they might participate in the coming battle. During the winter, Greenville was granted a waiver to lead a fleet into the Caribbean to attack the Spanish, and White was permitted to accompany him in a resupply ship. The fleet was set to launch on March 1588, but unfavorable winds kept them in port until Greenville received new orders to stay and defend England. Two of the smaller ships in Greenville's fleet, the Brave and the Roe, were deemed unsuitable for combat, and White was permitted to take them to Roanoke. The, ship, the ships departed April 27th, but the captains of the ships attempted to capture several Spanish ships on the outward-bound voyage 
On May 6th, they were attacked by French pirates near Morocco. Nearly two dozen of the crew were killed, and the supplies bound for Roanoke were looted, leaving the ships to return to England. White would not gain permission to make another resupply attempt until 1590. The passage expedition was organized by John Watts. The fleet of six ships would spend the summer of 1590 raiding Spanish outposts in the Caribbean, but the flagship Hopewell and the Moonlight would split off take White to his colony. At the same time, however, Riley was in the process of turning the venture over to new investors. The Hopewell and the Moonlight anchored at Croatoan Island on August 12th, but there was no indication that White used the time to contact the Croatoan for more information. On the evening of August 15th, while anchored at the northern end of Hatter's Island, the crews the crews sighted plumes of smoke on Roanoke Island. The following morning, they investigated another column of smoke on the south end of Hatteras, but found nothing. Okay, and Hatteras is present-day Croatoan Island, right? Like Hatteras know, Island? Because they mentioned Croatoan and then Hatteras and then Croatoan again and then Hatteras again. It's Hatteras, is, Hatteras Island is present-day what used to be Croatoan Island. Yes, this is Croatoan was the name of an island south of Roanoke, now Hatteras Island. Okay. White's landing party spent the next two days attempting to cross Pamlico Sound. Maybe that's, I don't know. Yeah. With considerable it looked like an a at the top. difficulty so and loss of life. On August 17th, they sighted fire on the northern end of Roanoke Island and rode towards it. But they reached the island after nightfall and decided not to risk coming ashore. The men spent the night in their anchored boats singing English <coughs> songs in hope that a colonist would hear. <coughs> White and the others made landfall on the morning of August 18th, his granddaughter's third birthday. The party found fresh tracks in the sand but were not contacted by anyone. They also discovered the letters CRO carved into a tree. Upon reaching the site of the colony, White noted the area had been forfeited with a Palisade near the entrance of the fencing, the word Croatoan was. Fortified. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, fortified. Okay. What did I say? Forfeited. Yeah, F O R F I T I E D. I don't know. It's fortified. Go ahead. It's okay. I was just trying to understand the fence. It's. it's um, the word Croton was carved in one of the posts. White was certain these two inscriptions meant that the colonists had peacefully relocated to Croton Island, but he's had no contact with Croton Island since he left, so he doesn't really know that. He's just assuming. Since they agreed in 1587 that the colonists would leave a secret token indicating their destination or a cross... Yeah, a cross-dress code. Within the palisade, the search party found that houses had been dismantled and anything that could be carried had been removed. Several large trunks, including three belonging to White, containing the belongings he left behind in 1587, had been dug up and looted. None of the colony's boats could be found along the shore. The party returned to the Hopewell that evening, and plans were made to return to Croatoan the following day. So I, I don't get, they landed on Croatoan Island, but they didn't contact anybody on Croatoan Island. They were just like, let's go to Roanoke Island instead of being like, hey, it's been years. 
Well, they didn't want to approach the Native Americans because the Native Americans were supposed to be the only ones on Kuratuan Island at that point. Like, they didn't have settlers there. But um, they assumed because he was gone so long that with the settlers not having replenishment and, and resupplies that maybe they they were nicer with the Native Americans. Well, it says that they had an agreement that was set in place upon White Landing that when um, Monteo organized a chit-chat and they settled everything peacefully, mm-hmm. it said um, they agreed, they had a treaty that, that was agreed upon in 1587. A treaty might have been in place, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't necessarily mean they would have been welcomed there. Yeah, but also, like if they landed on the edge of, of Croatoan Island and they were going to Roanoke Island, their interest wouldn't have been here because at that point they did not know the settlers were gone. Their interest, their only interest would have been getting back to the settlers as quick as possible at this point because they had gotten diverted by the Spanish-American War. They were supposed to be back, and it's years later. So their main objective at that point is we need to get to the settlers. They're not going to automatically assume, oh, they probably didn't wait for us. Well, I mean, they did get smoke signals from Roanoke Island and Hatteras at the same time on different, one South Hatteras and north of Roanoke Island. They were getting smoke signals when they landed on Croatoan. Okay, but they also don't say at any point that the settlers were the only ones on Roanoke Island. There were Native Americans on Roanoke Island as well as the settlers, but Hatteras, which was Croatoan at that point, only had Native Americans. So it could have been smoke signals from the two names, they they still wouldn't assume it was the settlers. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming here, but I don't think I'm going to come back from England and go, oh, there's smoke signals from both of those places. Something must have happened to the settlers. Nobody mm-hmm. would have thought something had happened somewhere along the ways for them to communicate with smoke signals instead of just rowing across the island. What you know, or the... <laughs> The thing about it is, is you don't know their traditions. You yeah. don't you don't know what their traditions are. It could have been a celebratory time for them for all you knew. And they had already gotten trouble for the for the shit that they caused over a stupid tin cup. Silver cup. It was silver. I keep saying tin. It was silver. But still, I mean they went in there and they killed them. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that I didn't think you covered a lot of it, but there was massacres that happened to the Native Americans because of that stupid cup. And then the Native Americans were like, wait. There's a whole bunch of us and only a few of you. I don't think so. So you're not going to. Coming back after three years, all you're going to think about is seeing these people, seeing these people, seeing these people. I don't think you're ever going to come in and go. I see smoke signals here and smoke signals here. Something must have happened because it never mentions there's no documentation. There's no diary kept of how often smoke signals came up. It could have been, you know, they remarked upon it this time because. They were documenting everything coming in, yeah. but there could have been smoke signals every Wednesday, every Sunday, three times a day. We don't, we don't know what the pattern was as to why they weren't like more, hmm, something might be going on. Yeah, I guess. Um, the party returned with, to the Hope Well that evening. And plans were made to return to Croatoan the following day. However, the Hopewell's anchor cable snapped, leaving the ship with only one working cable and anchor. The search mission Uh couldn't continue given the considerable risk of shipwreck. 
The moonlight set off for England, but the crew of the Hopewell offered a compromise with White in which they would winter in the Caribbean and return to the Outer Banks in spring of 1591. <laughs> this plan fell through, though, when the Hopewell was blown off course, forcing them to stop for supplies. When the winds prevented landfall there, the ship was again forced to change course for England, arriving October 24th, 1590. So, basically, they didn't even attempt to reach out to the Croton after finding their people missing. No, because at that point, I think the general consensus was, oh, they got slaughtered while we were gone. Well, we don't want to get slaughtered. It says that the Hopewell... The moonlight set off for England and the Hopewell compromised with White that they were going to go to the Caribbean in winter and then return to the Outer Banks in the spring, but they couldn't make landfall at the Caribbean and it forced and it was trying to force them to stop for supplies somewhere else and they couldn't make landfall there, so they went back to England. Right. Okay. And you also have to understand back then, it took a long time. It took a very long time to get anywhere. Yeah. So for them, they were trying to get to the Caribbean and they couldn't get to the Caribbean. Right. So they left, they left the outer banks of North Carolina and they were going to the Caribbean, but they couldn't get to the Caribbean. So they were going to reroute and try to get supplies somewhere else. But it doesn't say where they're going to get supplies, but you have to understand there weren't that many settlements. Yeah. I mean, Roanoke is literally was supposed to be the first colonization and they I, I keep referring to colony because anything that included women and children were considered a colonization um if it was just men it was search it was you know find it was discover it was that and we don't know because where it's saying if they were going to the caribbean and they couldn't go there they could have tried to go a little further um out or south mm-hmm. And because of bad weather, because if it was hurricane season, you know what hurricane season is like. So at that point, they would divert and go back north to England. Because you can't risk your ship, you can't risk your crew, and you've got to have supplies. And there's no refrigeration or anything like that back then. So mostly what they ate was hardtack and beans. So that's it for the last colony. Now they went on to the investigation of Roanoke, which isn't really much of an investigation because they really didn't investigate anything. Well, and and having said what I said to, to you yeah. about about them keeping records, like this thing said, records, they just took them to wherever they went. Well, there's no there's no documentation of where on Roanoke Island the colony was. Yeah, there's no everywhere the archaeologists are looking, they don't know. And I mean, they say they're coming up with some stuff, which Robin will touch on later. I won't get into that. But they don't know. Like, I don't understand how they don't have that when White's like, oh, yeah, I found the settlement and it's got this carved here and this carved here. But then they have no archaeological finds. When you're talking the about the, the um, investigation, did they go back to Roanoke? And how many times? Because... When I was reading, I thought they went back maybe once, but after some time, after late 1500, maybe early 1600, nobody went again. And that, that tree that that crow was carved into is not, it's not going to last. I'm only halfway through my stuff, and there's several 
search and rescue attempts after 1600. Then it was the 1700s, right? It was the 16 or 1700s when they were just like, Meh. and there's time between all of these. Yes. There so is. every time, every time they walked away, they lost evidence because time. And you can go build a house in the wilderness now, today. Yeah. And if you leave it unoccupied, within a month, nature's going to start taking it back over. That's what nature does. Yeah, I just, my thing is, I don't see how they're not found any thing at all. Like, the metal's not going to go back into the ground and decompose and break down, like. Well, Robin's going to touch on some of that. Stuff. Robin's going to touch on some of that later. So the investigation in Toronto. Although John White failed to locate his colonists in 1590, his report suggested they had simply relocated and might be found alive. However, it served Walter Riley's purpose to keep the matter in doubt. So long as the settlers could not be proven dead, he could legally maintain his claim. Um, this kind of not important information, but I read that anyways, um, was that... In 1594, White petitioned to declare um, his daughter legally dead so that his son could inherit his estate, and the petition was granted. At that time, I thought it was automatic that the son was the inheritor unless he specifically put her in the will. Women didn't. Women unless, it's, didn't. unless it's her husband. It might have been her, her husband. husband. But they petitioned to declare both of them dead so that his son could inherit the estate. During Riley's first transatlantic voyage in 1595, he claimed to be in search of his lost colonists, although he would admit this with disinformation to cover his search for El Dorado. Ah, he was on the search for El Dorado. He's like, oh, well, daughter, son, new granddaughter gone. On, the on return, to El Dorado. On the return voyage, he sailed past the Outer Banks and later claimed that weather prevented him from landing. Riley later sought to enforce his monopoly on America based on the potential survival of the Roanoke colonists when the price of sassafras skyrocketed. He funded a 1602 mission to the Outer Banks with a stated goal of resuming the search led by Samuel Mace. His expedition differed from previous voyages in that Riley bought his own ship and guaranteed the sailors' wages so they would not be distracted by privateering. However, the ship's itinerary and manifest indicate that Riley's top priority was harvesting sassafras for South Croatoan Island. Sassafras far south of Croatoan Island. Not far, but far. By the time Mace approached Hatteras, bad weather prevented them from lingering in the area. In 1603, Riley was implicated in the main plot and arrested for treason against King James. Wow, I didn't know that. I did not know that. <coughs> Walter, um, no? Yeah, yeah. it's Ra yeah, Raleigh. There was a final expedition in 1603 led by Bartholomew Gilbert. See, final expedition. I know, that. I know. With the, intent, with the intention of finding Roanoke colonists, their intended destination, well, this was the final expedition from England. I know. Um, there... Intended destination was Chesapeake Bay, but bad weather forced them to land in an unspecific, 
unspecified location near there. The landing team included Gilbert. Yeah, the landing team, including Gilbert, was killed by a group of Native Americans for an unknown reason on July 29th. My land, bitch. The remaining crew returned to England empty-handed. Following the establishment of the Jamestown settlement in 1607, John Smith was captured by the... Yep. And met with their leader and his brother. I just didn't even attempt to write down their names at this point because I was over the Native American names. They're hard to pronounce. And I'm not but trying to... But I'm really not trying to... But you know, their names Their names were more hard to pronounce than... Um, I know, but Pocahontas is the village that Pocahontas yeah. Well, I mean, we talk about John Smith. So I kind of kind of connected that. But John Smith was captured by yeah. Um and met with their leader and his brother, which like I said, I didn't want to butcher their names at all. So I didn't write them down. They described to him a place called Okana Okanohanan. Okay. Where men wore European style clothing and. Wow. They wore European style clothing and I guess buildings that featured the same style houses. That's basically what this is. Later, after Smith returned to the colony, he made arrangements with the king of Paspahog. To investigate Panawick, Panawick, another place reportedly inhabited by men in European dress. The colony produced a crude map of the region with labels for these villages. The map also featured a place called Pakarakanak. <laughs> That's what it looks like. With a with a note, not whole, it's a note indicating here remaineth four men clothed that come from Runok to In the summer of 1608, Smith sent a letter about this information along with the map back to England. Smith planned to explore the area, but dis but a dispute with the Paspahog ended the mission before it could even begin. They also dispatched two search parties, possibly to look for the other villages reported to him, with instructions to find the lost the lost company of Sir Walter Riley. Neither group could find any sign of the Roanoke colonists living in the area. They were screaming. Yeah, but there was space. No, we were, we're silent. By May 1609, word had reached England's royal council that the 1587 colonists had been massacred by the Wush... Yep. by a group of Native Americans. I'm going to leave it at that. Based on this intelligence, as well as Smith's earlier report, the council drafted orders for the Jamestown colony to relocate. These reports recommended... 
Oana Horn near the mouth of the Chowan Cowan mm-hmm. River as a new base. Among my handwriting just sucks. Among <laughs> Among the advantages of this location were proximity to rich copper mines of somewhere and another place where four of Riley's colonists were supposed to be held by Gipanacon. These orders, along with the new acting governor, Thomas Gates, were delayed due to the shipwreck of the sea venture at Bermuda. Gates arrived at Jamestown in May 1610, several months into the starving time. The crisis may have deteriorated the colonists from attempting the proposed relocation and expedition was sent to the Cowan River. No record of its findings were found. I love it. During the starving time. <laughs> literally what they called it. It's the winter. The starving time. Um, several others were set out. Several other colonies took it upon themselves to set out to find the lost colony and none were successful. Basically, they all stated weather permitted landfall. Um, they couldn't get even close enough to the islands because of horrible weather conditions. None of them made it to either Hatteras or Toronto. I wonder why they had such awful conditions unless everybody's just trying to travel during hurricane season. Because the the way that the island looks, it's buffeted. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't expect it to have like super bad weather except in the uh, occasion of a hurricane. Um, everybody's like, oh, hurricane season. Let's go let's go find Roanoke. Let's go find those. That's people. what it sounds like, but it's None of them can make landfall. I mean, does matter? It's a supernatural thing. The aliens took the people of Roanoke and they didn't want people to see. I mean, it's a theory. Why not? Um, I don't know what all you cover. She's she's covering um, <laughs> some stuff that archaeologists have been doing since. Okay, I made sure not to touch on anything archaeological re- related, but I do have hypotheses about what happened. Um, integration of the local tribes. Go ahead. I mean, just is in the sense that if you have anything to pitch in, and then it's got, you know, come back to you. We it's don't got, have to, I know I haven't really been in the Powhatan attack at the Chesapeake Bay. Because you know, Robin didn't read her notes. The Powhatan <laughs> attack at the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, I added you. The Spanish attack conspiracy against Riley. And I do have a little bit on the dare stones, but I didn't touch much on it because I know you said you had something. But I wanted to know some information on it before. Yeah, you're gonna learn it from me. Yeah, but I wanted to know a little bit about what you were talking about because I was like, oh, I've never heard about that. Okay, you know what? I'm going next, and then <coughs> Robin's gonna go, and then Kylie may add more. Well, yeah, Robin, like I I preempted you. I preempted that. you, Robin. We finally have a really long episode, y'all. Yeah, because it's Roanoke. Duh! Speaking We've of already hit an hour. Our, our most played episode was our Jason episode. Really? really? Was it Bigfoot? At Kylie, oh, the Jason one was like the first one, though. That's why it's the most played. And people are mm, not, not listening to them again. Probably. Actually, it's time for Bigfoot. Oh, really? Bigfoot is my favorite. <laughs> That's just because she wants Bigfoot's jerky. Bigfoot's only got nine. 
And a lumberjack. Nine plays? Bigfoot's so good. The last episode we recorded. We went a month. It's their fault. I'm just kidding. It's just live. We're, we're fixing it. We're also people, let's let me put this out there. I'm going to work on a better studio atmosphere because I know you're getting a lot of background noise from children and mothers and dogs. We're going to fix it. Anyway. So Jason and the divination episode are tied for 23 episodes. Oh, nice. The, is, the vampires are tied for 21 listens. The aliens have eight or have 20 listens and the, um, the cannibal wolves, our, seahorses and hidden. Our first wear. Yeah. That's 18. Also, we have listeners in the United States, Canada, Ireland, and the United Kingdom. Ireland! Ireland, Ireland. Ireland came in with the... Also, go on the um, United Kingdom, Canada, and the United States. If somebody from Australia could listen, that would be good. I promise we're working on sound. We cannot do much for this episode about our I know pronunciation. That, um, Thursday night, you remember? We tagged her accidentally. Yes, Thursday night. Um, she's in the UK. Okay, cool. I'm pretty sure that's what she said. That's what her profile said. I don't know. Anyway, shout out to all of our listeners. Thank you for listening. We're we're gonna get better. I promise you. By the time we get to episode 20, you're gonna be like, wow, I Which can't believe. Which will not take us four months to get there. It will not. Because we're, we're gonna, gonna ride her on Robin and organize. And... <laughs> I just keep throwing her under the bus. Okay, I got two things. I got two things for Rona. You guys hijacked it. You gotta stay in the vibe, people. Okay, one is it's a thing I found online called 10 Horrifying True Stories from the Lost Rono Colony. And it the intro tells you a little bit about, you know, what happened at Roanoke and Crotoan. Basically that they come back and yeah, nobody's there. But it was years later. Okay, so here they are. Ten. The colonists burned down a native village because someone stole a cup. I still can't get over this, by the way. I understand it was a silver cup, but it was a cup, people. Come on. It says the Roanoke settler, settlers weren't good people. It says settlers, but this is not the settlers. This was the men who um, were there to explore and learn. And, and they were supposed to be the ones that were, like, establishing crops and getting the land ready for a yeah, they're like they're, like, spearheading the campaign. So I don't like the way this led. In because they weren't the settlers. Anyway, they viewed the natives as savages and they treated them like savages too. Also, this is not true. Not at the beginning anyway. I mean, probably they didn't treat the natives as like respected peers, but they did have interaction with them. Like the natives were first helping them with the planting and stuff. Anyway, from the moment the colony was established, they built bad blood with the people around them. Also not true. Shortly before their fort was built, a colonist discovered that their silver cup had gone missing. One of their silver cups. So they had more than one. But, you know, we're going to focus on this one. They quickly the became more. They quickly became convinced with no evidence that a native man had taken it and they weren't going to let him get away with it. Again, a cup. By English law, the penalty for theft was usually whipping, but English law didn't apply for the natives. Instead, the Roanoke settlers burned every inch of the native man's hometown to the ground, all because they lost a single cup. That part's true. They did burn a thing to the ground. And I, I don't want to say they were nice people, but they weren't the settlers. 
Okay, number nine. The natives tried to involve the colonists in their wars. The colony was not a success. They were almost immediately hit by famine and, and started to starve. The only food they could grow was corn. They had to rely on the help of the natives to stay alive. See, did I tell you that? Help from the natives. A tribe called um, the Sakotans gave them food, but they didn't do it for free. They'd seen the Europeans' weapons and technology and knew that whoever managed to team up with them would have a major advantage when the next tribal war broke out. The uh, Sakotan chief, wow, I had to look at it because it looked like Virginia. It really did. When Gina vied for the colonists' um, sympathy, an enemy tribe, he told them, had invented some of the, invited some of the people to a peace talk and massacred them during the feast. He wanted revenge. The English didn't want to get involved. Uh, so when Gina's attitude changed, he stopped sharing food with the settlers and told them that he didn't have enough to spare. When Gina told the colonists that it wasn't his fault the colonists were starving to death, um, there was simple reason why your Lord God is not God. That's in quotation marks. Number eight, the colonists kidnapped and ransomed natives. I did not know this. I can judge them from some of the other things they said. Meh. I'm sure it happened, but probably not exactly the way they're going to tell me it did. When their crops were dying, the colony um, resorted to some desperate measures to get food from the natives. The governor, a man named Ralph Lane, was famously cruel. I like that. Famously cruel. It makes him sound like, I don't know, like he's a superstar. He was a mean man. That's what he was. He would regularly kidnap natives and hold them hostage, not because they'd done anything wrong, but because they were useful for bartering chips. Ralph Lane. So, the governor of the Lane Colony? Yeah, I said the governor. The natives weren't too happy with his approach. One of the um, wow. one of Lane's hostages, a boy named Sakiko, tried to make a break for it. He ran for freedom, but Lane caught him. He locked Sakiko up, beat him horribly, and threatened to cut off his head. After torture at Lane's hands, Sakiko let slip that the tribes were planning to rise up and attack Roanoke. Oh. And when Gina was organizing them, Lane would be the first to die. And it ends there. Nice. Number seven, the colonists murdered the Sakotan, Sakotan chief. Lane decided to strike first. Why is it saying, it keeps saying the colonists like it's Roanoke, but she said Lane was the governor of the Lane colony. So why aren't they acting like this is Roanoke? And it's not even like it was an actual colony. There was there to explore the land and establish a learning of what crops could survive there and stuff. It was the second expedition. So this was not... Not even a real colony. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to read it because... Now it's not even talking about Roanoke. It's talking about the Lane people. Okay, I'm skipping to number five. The first English baby was born and lost at Roanoke. That's Virginia Deer. First English child born in America was born at Roanoke and was lost with the colony. Her name was Virginia Deer, and she was the grandchild of Governor John White. Just nine days after her birth, though, White left. The colony was still starving in an hostile land. They were in desperate need of aid. If his granddaughter was going to survive, White would need help from the empire. He brought Manteo with him. The two promised to return within three months, but they didn't. England was at war with Spain, and the fighting kept White and Manteo from making the, the trip back. It took three years before they made it back to Roanoke, and by then it was too late. Okay, I have several questions. One, your people are starving. Why are you leaving? Right? It's going to take, what? What do we say? Six months? Six months? So yeah. at least a year to get to England and back. 
so your people are dead. They're not going to survive here without food. So why aren't you staying and helping and or loading them on the ship and moving them somewhere else? Right? Mm -hmm. Take them back with you. You know, we we tried. We'll go back. We just need more supplies than what we thought we did. Makes no sense. Also, because Kylie touched on it, I wanted to say, what did you say her first name was? Margie? The lady who gave Marjorie. Okay, the lady who gave birth to the second baby, Marjorie. Her last name is Harvey. H-A-R-V-I-E. See, I've got that spelled, but I couldn't read my writing. So I left out her last name. The sex of the baby was never recorded. It's just noted somewhere that she had the second baby. And that's it. We don't know if it was a boy or a girl. We don't know. And we know it was born like right after. Within. I'd say like a month or two. I thought it was like days. The way they made it sound was like days. That 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 baby was born. Okay. And the Spanish army found the colony. I don't believe it. Because I just read a thing that said nobody knows where the colony is. And. Nobody knows where the colony is. The Spanish army had heard about Roanoke Colony. However, instead of a small group of 118 people, they believed it was a powerful English military base. They were hunting for it, determined to destroy it. Shortly after White left, the Spaniards, the Spanish found it. They thought it was in the Chesapeake Bay, assuming, I mean, yeah, assuming that Roanoke Island was too small to contain the enormous army they'd imagined. On the way back from a failed search of the bay, however, a man named Vincente Gonzalez was hit by a strong wind and blown right to Roanoke Colony. Gonzalez didn't enter the colony himself, but he found clear proof it was there. He reported his discovery to Spain, pushing for a total invasion of Roanoke. Okay, so he didn't go in. He sent somebody in. They brought back proof that it was there, but nothing about the people. When did that happen? A Spanish force knew of English plans to establish a new Virginia base in 1587 and were searching for it before white colonists had ever arrived. The Spanish Empire had included most of North America in their Florida claim and did not recognize England's right to colonize Roanoke or Chesapeake Bay. The colonists likely recognized the threat this represented, giving the Spanish... Giving the Spanish... Of Fort Caroline in 1565. However, the Spanish were still attempting to locate the colony in Chesapeake Bay as late as 1600, suggesting that they were unaware of its fate. Well, this says, it doesn't even tell me when. This says in 1937, drama about the lost colony. Um, while preparing to compose a 1937 drama about the lost colony, Paul Green noticed that the Spanish records from the period contain an abundance of references to Riley and his settlements. Green's play ends with the colonists leaving Roanoke Island to evade an approaching Spanish ship, leaving the audience to wonder if the Spanish found them. See, and this says the Spanish, this clearly says, which again, given some of the information in here, I don't think they checked all their facts, but still, it says they found it. And I want to know how it's blown right in. also, especially since nobody else can make landfall. Right, okay. Now, listen, right after that one, you heard that, right? The Spanish army found the colony. That was four. Number three, nobody actually tried to find the lost colony. That's that's three. When White returned, the colony was abandoned. White was sure, though, that the word Croatoan meant they were safe, hiding with the one tribe that didn't want them dead. Oh, so the, the people in Croatoan were friendly, which also doesn't make sense in terms of what you said. Why didn't they check the Croatoans? Because if they were friendly with them, was Manteo one of the Croatoans? No. Okay. He was from a different one, but he set up meetings with the Croatoans. So, yeah, there's something fishy about the whole thing. Anyway, Wyatt wanted to find his family. He convinced the captain to call to, I'm sorry, he convinced the captain to sell to Croatoan, but a heavy storm hit and their food started to run low. Instead, 
The ships went south to get fresh water, but once they'd restocked, White couldn't get anyone to go back and help him find his family. White was sent on to Trinidad and then ultimately back to England. He never saw his family again. Other people tried to look for the colonists. Sir Walter Raleigh um, sent out teams to find them, but everyone turned back due to bad weather before um, starting a real search. Over in England, Raleigh was soon uh, accused of treason, and the search was stopped. The Spanish, too, tried to hunt the colonists down. They got word that they were living in the Chesapeake Bay and planned a full assault, but the plan was dropped. Nobody ever saw the colonists again. So this sounds like this happened before the last one, and then the last one said, oh, no, they found Roanoke. The dude, Gonzalez, didn't go in, but he sent somebody in, and there was proof. What? It doesn't make sense. Okay, number two, I'm not going to read because it probably touches on something um, Robin's going to talk about. And number one is Pocahontas's father claimed he killed the colonists. Did not know this. Not sure I believe it again because this, this thing's all over the place. Listen, I found it online and it looked interesting. Don't judge me. It's fun. Fleeing today bring tribes might not have been enough to keep the colonists alive. A few years after they disappeared, John Smith landed in the Chesapeake Bay. There he met Chief Powhatan, best known today as the father of Pocahontas, and learned the fate of the Roanoke colony. Powhatan's priests had told him that a great empire would rise from the Chesapeake Bay, and he sent his men to slaughter the tribe living there. There among them, Powhatan said, were a group of white faces living among a native tribe. The strange sight of white faces among the tribe didn't stop Powhatan. He murdered every one of the Roanoke colonists he found. It's possible that some of the colonists escaped Powhatan's onslaught, but no survivors were found. For most, the end likely came shortly after they finally learned how to live in peace with their neighbors and at the hands of a warlord who hadn't. I've never heard anything about that either, about Chief Powhatan killing them. So, that's new and different. Not sure how I feel about that one either because iffy. Iffy. I'm gonna do a quick dare stones and then and then you go. Um I don't know if you're familiar with Roanoke history, you may or may not have heard of the Dare Stones. And um, they were stones that were supposedly left by Elizabeth Dare for her father, oh. Eleanor Dare. I keep saying Elizabeth. I am stuck on Elizabeth. Eleanor Dare um, for her father. And um, I wondered about it because, I mean, obviously anybody can carve in a rock, but it takes some skill. And um, this says, <sighs> okay, the last they heard of the colonists until 1937 when a tourist from California walked into the history department at Atlanta's Emory University with a massive stone that Ed Schrader and others now think might be the most important artifact of the early American period. On one side of the stone, which the tourist said he'd simply found in a swamp while traveling through North Carolina, the writing appeared to constitute a grave marker reading um, Ananias Dare in Virginia went hence unto heaven 1591 Anye Englishman shoe John White Governor VA. The engraving on the other side of the stone, however, was much longer. As a team of Emory scholars deciphered the message, they were shocked to discover the story that it told, one describing two years of suffering due to sickness and war with local Native Americans that led to the death of virtually all of the colony's settlers, including the writer's husband and child. The story referenced I'm sorry, the story referred to John White as father, and sure enough was signed EWD, the initials of Eleanor White Dare. 
It looked as though Eleanor had left behind the story of Roanoke Colony and more or less settled the mystery of the settlers' mass disappearance once and for all. Indeed, the Emory team initially declared that the stone was authentic. However, within the next few years, a George Stonecutter found more than three dozen stones also claiming to have been written by Dare and which were also soon deemed authentic. Then, in 1941, the Saturday Evening Post ran a devastating 11,000-word expose debunking the legitimacy of all of the stones as a hoax and revealing that the Georgia Stonecutter to be a fraud thanks to various evidence that's not given. Just like that, one of the most astounding discoveries was transformed into a pile of rocks and sent to sit in the basement of Georgia's um, Brainaw University. But then, but then, in 2016, Ed Schrader decided to take the original stone found in 1937 to the University of North Carolina for analysis. He sliced off one end of the stone to discover that it, that in contrast to the darker exterior, the interior was a bright white. Thus, any inscriptions made in the stone would be the same um, bright white. However, the inscription on the stone was much darker in color. Such darkening takes a very long time to occur, suggesting that the inscription was made by the approximate in the approximate era of the Roanoke colony, it would have been very difficult in the 1930s to use chemicals to mask the color. But now Schrader wants to fund an exhaustive geochemical investigation that should go beyond the analysis described above and perhaps prove once and for all whether the stone is legitimate. Anyway, it's going to go on about that. But there were several stones that were found supposedly by um, written by Eleanor Dare, whose husband was a stonemason, which I didn't know. Um, but they can't agree on the authenticity. Like that one said, when they cut open the stone, it was white on the inside. So they're like new carving would have been white, but this was darker. But I disagree with their, um, well, it being dark like this means that it comes from the Roanoke era because I mean, that's a long, 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 long time ago. And they're talking about chemicals to darken it, but I don't know. There yeah. would have to be studies done to. Well, you would think. You would think there was a way, but you know they found out recently that they're saying, "Oh, this was thirty thousand years ago. We can tell by this." And then they're like, mm, "This doesn't work the way we thought it did." Yeah. So no. Sorry, people. I believe in the paranormal, not necessarily in science. I believe in science. I just don't believe science is. All-knowing, all-powerful, all-right. <laughs> I think science at its base is what it's supposed to be. It's a bunch of theories, and you try to, you, it's a bunch of evidence that you find to support a theory. And you can find evidence to support the theory. doesn't necessarily make the theory right. Yeah. Okay. Robin. My turn. Robin. So, this is all new to me, too, because I have not read anything on it. <laughs> you're gonna, I did you're my gonna notes learn two weeks Robin. ago. You're going to learn with Robin. That's I've nothing. I wrote my notes two weeks ago about Robin. No, yes. baby. I, you know me. If I find something, I read and I read and I read and I read. Although I did learn something new because I was so focused on Roanoke when I did any kind of like learning back then. I completely missed that Raleigh was, um, it was Raleigh, right? Not white. Charged with treason. Yeah. Okay. I was like, oh. So just, also, I didn't know his ass was looking for El Dorado. Just to reiterate some of what Cat and Kai said, the article says, When John White, appointed by Sir Walter Riley as governor of Roanoke <laughs> Colony, returned to England for more supplies in late 1587, he left behind his wife, his daughter, and his infant granddaughter, Virginia Dare. I never thought anything about 
the firstborn child in the new world to English parents. Among, Virginia. Among the other settlers. Upon White's return in 1590, he found no trace of his family or the other inhabitants of the abandoned colony. Over the centuries to come, archaeologists, historians, and explorers would delve into the mystery of the lost colony of Roanoke. All fell into the font to find definitive answers. Now I want to see how far away it is so we can go one day and just film ourselves and be like, we're on Roanoke Island. <laughs> what? She needs to fork. <laughs> So, based on the scant clues left behind, some speculate that Native Americans attacked and killed the English colony. Well, Powhatan said he did. Croton was the name of the name of an island south of Roanoke, now which is now Hatteras Island, which is the which at the time was home to a Native American tribe of the same name, Croton. Alternatively, they might have tried to sail back to England on their own and been lost at sea, or been killed by hostile Spaniards who came north from their own settlements in Florida. I was going to pause there because another thing I found states that the colony that was left, their ships got taken out by a hurricane, so they had no way to get back to England. I'm just saying. No, I know. I'm just <laughs> reiterating. So that says that, but everything that we found other than that states that their ships were... Hurricane swiped. One enduring theory. Well, apparently, they all just claimed that. <laughs> oh, dude, bad weather. <laughs> One enduring theory was that the settlers might have been absorbed into friendly Native American tribes, perhaps after moving farther inland into what is now North Carolina. Now, two independent teams have found archaeological remains suggesting that at least some of the Roanoke colonists might have survived and split into two groups each of which assimilated itself into a different Native American community. So now when it talks about these teams, it's talking about the current archaeological teams. So it says one team is excavating a site near Cape Creek on Hatteras Island, around 50 miles southeast of the Roanoke Island settlement, while the other is based on the mainland about 50 miles to the northwest of the Roanoke site. Cape Creek, located in a live oak forest near Pamlico Sound, was the site of the site of a major Croatoan town center horribly. and trading hub. In 1998, archaeologists from East Carolina University <laughs> stumbled upon a unique find from earlier British America: a 10 karat gold signet ring in engraved with a lion or horse. I, it says lion or horse, but how could you not know that we're a lion or a horse? Listen, horses well, have manes, lions have manes. Yeah, so nitpicky. Horse mane is like, okay. you don't know how they do on the coins, Robin. <laughs> and then you've judging. got the fact that it's gone through erosion and all of this stuff. Yeah, you know how many years ago that was? So it's believed to date back to the 16th century. Just think, 1589 is the year you were born. <laughs> That's 400 years. The ring's discovery prompted later excavations at the site led by Mark Horton, an archaeologist <laughs> an archaeologist at Britain's Bristol University, who has been directing volunteers with the Croatoan Archaeological Society in annual digs since 2009. Nice. Recently, Horton's team found a small piece of slate that seems to have been used as a writing tablet and part of the hilt of an iron rapier? Rapier? Rapier. That's rapier. 
a light sword similar to those used in England in the late 16th century, along with other artifacts of European and Native American origin. The slate, a smaller version of a similar one found in, at Jamestown, bears a small letter M, still barely visible in one corner. It was found alongside a lead pencil. <laughs> in addition to these intriguing objects, the Cape Creek site yielded an iron bar and a large copper ingot or block, both found buried in layers of earth that appears to date back to the late 1500s. Okay. Native Americans lacked such meteorological technology so that so they are believed to be European in origin. Horton told National Geographic that some of the artifacts his team found are trade items, but it appears that others may well have belonged to the Roanoke colonists themselves. The evidence is that they assimilated with the Native Americans but kept their goods. A watercolor map drawn by none other than John White inspired the site the search at site X as it is known located on Abermurl okay, Sound Albermurl <laughs> Sound near Edenton, North Carolina, about fifty miles inland. Known as La La Virginia Pars. <laughs> the map shows the east coast of North America from Chesapeake Bay to Cape Lookout. It is housed at the British Museum as part of its permanent collection. White began drawing the map in 1585, two years before he became governor. In 2012, researchers using X-ray, spectroscopy, and other imaging techniques spotted a tiny four-pointed star colored red and blue, concealed under a patch of paper that White used to make corrections to his map. It was thought to mark the location of a site some 50 miles inland, which White alluded to in testimony given after his attempted return to the colony. If such a site did exist, the theory went, it would have been a reasonable destination for the displaced Roanoke settlers. And also, he was on the second expedition. He was part of the second expedition, which is why the map was started before he was appointed governor and stuff. So, according to archaeologist uh, Nicholas Leckety of the First Colony Foundation, which is conducting the excavations at Site X, the group has found shards of pottery. Shards of pottery. That, I almost read it as poetry. I was like, you're saying that wrong. <laughs> that they claim may have been used by Roanoke settlers after they left the colony. Located nearby is a site that archaeologists believe might have been a small Native American town. Mataquam. <laughs> after the Roanoke colony met its end, English settlers eventually came south from Virginia into North Carolina. But the first recorded settler in the area did not arrive until about 1655. But the recently uncovered pottery is in a style called border ware, which is typical of the pottery dug up on Roanoke Island as well as Jamestown, but was no longer imported to the New World after the early 17th century. 
when the Virginia company dissolved. So that's how they're dating it. They're dating it by, um, it wasn't made after this time, so it has to come from this time. Yeah. So in addition Which to Which is iffy, because somebody could have that pottery. Yeah. Like, I mean, somebody my great grandma. And be like, right. hey, I'm it gonna... wasn't in production, but, you know, people right. still people had it, handed it down. Okay, go. So in addition to the borderware pottery, archaeologists at Site X discovered various other items, including a food storage jar known as a bluster, pieces of early gun flintlocks, a metal hook of the sort used to stretch animal hides or tents, and an aglet, a small copper tube used to secure wool fibers before the advent of the hook and eye in the 17th century. Based on his team's findings, Lucchetti thinks the Roanoke colonists may have moved inland to live with Native American allies sometime after White left. Well, duh, because he didn't do it before he left. Sometime. <laughs> and these artifacts might have been among their belongings. As reported in the New York Times, the First Colony Foundation will reveal more about its findings and theories this week in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, which this article is, I don't know when from. Though the newly announced discoveries don't solve this lingering historical mystery, they do point away from Roanoke Island itself, where researchers have failed to come up with evidence pointing to the lost colony's fate. Archaeologists on both teams are hoping that a detailed study of their new findings will yield more clues and, of course, that more evidence remains waiting to be discovered in the endless layers of dirt that surround them. I love all of the mites and maybes and perhapses. <laughs> so this article comes from the Smithsonian. Um, the title is The Mystery of Roanoke Endures Yet Another Cruel Twist. And this article is from April of 2017. <clears throat> so it seemed too good to be true, and it was. Nearly 20 years ago, ex excavators digging on North Carolina's remote Hatteras Island uncovered a worn ring embezzled with a prancing lion. So, yeah. So, this was 20 years ago? So, when was this? This was 2017. So, this was previous. 1997. Because, I mean, it mentions 98. So, this was in 1997. Yeah. So, let's see. A local jeweler declared it gold, but it came to be seen as more than mere buried treasure when a British heraldry ex expert linked it to the Kendall family involved in the 1580s Roanoke voyages organized by Sir Walter Raleigh during Elizabeth I's reign. The 1998 discovery electrified archaeologists and histori historians. The artifact seemed a rare remnant of the first English attempt to settle the New World that might also shed light on what happened to 115 men, women, and children who settled the coast, only to vanish in what became known as the Lost Colony of Roanoke. Which, I mean, here's a picture of the ring, and I can kind of guess that it is hard to tell what it is. <laughs> Don't lose your place, though. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see. So, I mean, yeah, to me it just looks like a bunch of eroded scribbles. So now it turns out that the researchers had it wrong from the start. 
A team led by archaeologist Charles Ewan recently subjected the ring to a lab test at East Carolina University. The X-ray fluorescence device, shaped like a cross between a ray between a ray gun and a hairdryer, reveals an object's precise elemental composition without destroying any part of it. Ewan was stunned when he saw the results. It's all brass, he said. There's no gold at all. So North Carolina State Conservator Eric Farrell, who conducted the analysis at an ECU facility, found high levels of copper in the ring, along with some zinc and traces of silver, lead, tin, and nickel. So, I mean, you weren't far off when you were talking about the tin cup, even though it wasn't tin. The nickel ratios, Farrell said, are typical of brass from early modern times. He found no evidence that the ring had gilded had gilded on its surface, throwing years of speculation and research into serious doubt. Everyone wants it to be something that a lost colonist dropped in the sand, said Ewing. He said it is more likely that the ring was a common mass-produced item traded to Native Americans long after the failed settlement attempt. Not all archaeologists agree, however, and the surprise results are sure to ignite the debate over the fate of the lost colony. The settlers arrived from England in the summer of 1587, led by John White. They rebuilt an outpost on Roanoke Island, 50 miles north of Hatteras, abandoned by a previous band of colonists. White's group included his daughter, Eleanor, soon to give birth to Virginia Dare, the first child to be born <laughs> of English everywhere. parents in the New World. <laughs> White, well, after listening to this, you're never going to forget <laughs> Virginia Dare. White quickly departed for England to gather supplies and additional colonists, but his return was delayed by the outbreak of war with Spain. When he finally managed to land on Roanoke Island three years later, the settlement was deserted. The only clue was the word Croatoan carved on a post. A name of a tribe allied with the English and the island now called Hatteras Island. ECU archaeologist David Phelps, now deceased, found the ring while excavating a Native American village there and took it to a jeweler named Frank Reddick in nearby Hag's Head. Not Nags Head. <laughs> Nags Head. Phelps reported that the villager, the villager, shit, that the jeweler tested the ring and determined it was 18 karat gold. The other one said it was 10 karat. But it's not. It's brass. <laughs> but the jeweler said, Robin. Riddick now runs a fishing charter company called Fishy Business. And the business is spelled B-I-Z-N-E-S-S. Recalled recently that he didn't conduct an acid... 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 <laughs> that he didn't conduct an acid scratch test typically used to verify the presence and quality of the precious metal. Since this wasn't about buying or selling, we didn't do that, he said. I just told him that I thought it was gold. Phelps apparently didn't want to subject the object to potential damage. A senior member of London's College of Arms subsequently noted that the seal on the signet ring was of a lion prancent and suggested that it might relate might relate to the Kendall family of Devon and Cornwall. Cornwall. A master Kindle was part of the first colonization attempt in 1585, while another Kindle visited Croatoan when a fleet led by Sir Francis Drake stopped by in 1586. 
Though this link was never confirmed, the object was nicknamed the Kindle Ring. Okay. Since Phelps thought the ring was made of a precious metal and likely belonged to the Elizabethan heir, he argued that it was an important clue. This doesn't mean that the lost colony was here, he told the reporter at the dig site after the ring's discovery, but this begins to authenticate that. Some archaeologists, however, were skeptical of the artifact's connection to Roanoke, given that it was found with other artifacts dating to, dating to between 1670 and 1720, about a century after the Elizabethan voyages. This was also an era in which brass rings showed up in Native American sites up and down the East Coast. But Mark Horton, an archaeologist at the University of Bristol in the United Kingdom, says that Ewan's results don't necessarily preclude that it belonged to a Roanoke colonist. The fact that the ring is brass actually makes it more similar to other British examples, he said, noting that the ring could have been made in the 1580s. I would argue that it was kept as an heirloom, passed down, and then discarded. Horton is currently digging at the Hatteras site where the ring was discovered. The excavations sponsored by the Croton Archaeological Society have so far uncovered several artifacts that may have been made during Elizabethan times, including the handle of a rapier and bits of metal from clothing. Right. Yeah. If the lost colonists left Roanoke for Croatoan in the late 1580s, argues Horton, they might have brought along their most precious objects. Over a couple of generations, they may have assimilated with the Algonquin-speaking Croatoan people, and their English heirlooms would have eventually worn out. Oh, and there's Granddad's old sword in the corner rusting away, said Horton. Why are we keeping that? <laughs> He's trying to say why they would get rid of it. Yeah. So his theory is also based on archaeological finds that show that Native Americans on Hatteras manufactured lead shot and used guns to hunt deer and birds by the 1650s. Prior to this, their diet was heavily was based heavily on fish and shellfish. The technological the technological sophistication Horton suggests hints that the presence of Europeans before the second wave of English arrived in the area in the late 1600s. That, too, could point to the presence of assimilated colonists and their descendants. That theory is a stretch, says archaeologist Charles Heath, who worked with Phelps and was present when the ring was found. Such items would have been used, modified, traded, retraded, lost, discarded, or curated by their native owners and subsequent native owners for many years. He argued, in the end, he said, a stray 16th century artifact found here and there on the Outer Banks will not make for a lost colony found. Horton acknowledges that rather than Roanoke colony possessions brought along by assimilating English, the Croatoan people could have acquired the goods from Jamestown, the later Virginia colony, to the north instead. Gunflints, coins, and glass beads found at the site almost certainly came from the newer English settlement, but he is confident that the current excavations will soon reveal additional evidence. Meanwhile, the hunt for the lost colony continues. Another group of archaeologists working about 50 miles west of Roanoke Island at the head of Abermurl Sound said that they have pottery and metal artifacts likely associated with the lost colony. The digs by the First Colony Foundation were sparked by the 2012 discovery of a patch concealing the image of a fort on a map painted by John White. Right. 
they don't want to talk about it. But the like, but like the finds at Hatteras, the objects might be associated with the second wave of English settlement. Last fall, a dig by the National Park Service at Fort Raleigh on Roanoke Island, thought to be the site of the original settlement, yielded no trace of the colonists. But earlier in 2016, an archaeologist archaeologist did a handful of fragments found. Archaeologists did find a handful of fragments of an apothecary jar that almost certainly dates back to the 16th century. That the gold Kindle ring is likely a cheap brass trade item won't derail the quest to find what to find out what took place on the Outer Banks more than four centuries ago. As for Ewing, he hopes that the analysis of the ring will help put researchers back on track in their search for scarce clues of to the Roanoke colony. Science actually does work, he said, if you give it time. Okay, but back to the... No, it doesn't, because the more time you give it, the more it changes its mind. The way that they're dating it is based on objects found. Okay, yes, this apothecary jar may be from the 16th century, but you know what? They still pass those down, too. So... Yeah, he said that, didn't he? Yeah. He's like, there's Grandpa's old rapier. Like, what are we, why are we keeping that? But basic, basically is what it's saying is all of those stuff that they found. They were it like, oh, it's from Roanoke, but mm, maybe it, not. Um, because they still haven't pinpointed where the colony was. Yeah. And I don't understand that because there was a fort involved, right? That's what I'm saying. How did they not find any remains of a fort? Any of it. They had houses. They had a fort fence and all that. Yeah. I don't. It makes no sense. Um, but I have some other stuff I'm going to read now. Okay. Um, this is an a hi mm, hypothesis <laughs> hypotheses about the disappearance of the colony. Without evidence of the lost colony's relocation or destruction, speculation about their fate has endured since the 1590s. The matter has developed a reputation among academics for attracting obsession and sensationalism with little scholastic benefit. Conjecture about the lost colony typically begins with the known facts about the case. When Mart returned to the colony in 1590, there was no sign of battle or withdrawal under duress. Although the site was, see this is, I don't know, fortified, whatever. There were no human remains or graves reported in the area, suggesting everyone left alive. The Croatoan message is consistent with the agreement with White to indicate that where to look for them, suggesting they expected White to look for them and wanted to be found with a Croatoan. Um, there's also... Um, another one, people have considered that the possibility of the missing colonists could have assimilated into nearby Native American tribes since at least 1605. If this integration was successful, the assimilated colonists would gradually exhaust their European supplies, ammo, clothing, tools, and discard European culture, language, clothing, style, agriculture, as the culture lifestyle became more convenient. Colonial area... Europeans observed that people removed from European society by Native Americans, even if captured or enslaved, were reluctant to return. The reverse was seldom true. Therefore, it is reasonable, reasonable to expect that at some point the assimilated colonists or their descendants would resist efforts of recovery. Most historians today believe this is most likely is the most likely scenario for the colonists' survival. However, this leaves open the question for which tribe or tribes that the colonists assimilated with. 
It's widely accepted that the Croatoan were ancestors of the 18th century Hatteras, although evidence of this is circumstantial. The present-day Roanoke Hatteras tribe identifies as descendants of both the Croatoan and the lost colonists by the way of the Hatteras. Some 17th century maps use the word Croatoan to describe locations on the mainland across Pamlico Sound from Roanoke and the Hatteras. By 1700, these areas were associated with the Maspa-Maka-Punga oral traditions and legends about the migration of the Croatoan through the min mainland are prevalent in eastern North Carolina. More famously, in the 1880s, State Legislator Ham Hamilton, yeah, I guess so, but I forgot the L. Hamilton <laughs> McMillan <laughs> proposed that the Native American community in Robeson County retain surnames and linguistic characteristics from the 1587 colonists. His efforts convinced the North Carolina legislator to confer tribal recognition to the community in 1885 with the news of designation of Croatoan. The tribe petitioned to be renamed in 1911, eventually settling on the name Lumbee in 1956. Other tribes purportedly linked to the Roanoke colonists include the Katawaba and the Corse. The Corsi. Samuel Acor Ash was convinced that the colonists had relocated westward to the banks of the Cowan River in Birdie County, and Conway Whittle Sam's claimed that after being attacked by Wanchessa and Another really long Wahan Sin Sinachua. I'm going with that. The colonists scattered to multiple locations, the Cowan River and the south to the Pimlico and Noose Rivers. Reports of encounters with white skinned, blonde haired people among various Native American tribes occur as early as sixteen oh seven. Although this is frequently attributed to assimilated lost colonists, it could just be more easily explained by dramatically higher rates of al albinism in Native Americans than in people of European descent. Okay. Um, At least they weren't the black another hypothesis is that the colonists could have decided to rescue themselves by selling for England and the pinnace left behind by the 1587 expedition, except other research states that that was swept to sea by a hurricane. Right, so they couldn't have. If such effort was made, the ship could have been lost with all hands at sea, accounting for the absence of both ship and any trace of the colonists. So they do state that, well, maybe it did get swept out. Maybe they took it and then they lost it. So it's, nobody's keeping records of anything back then. It is plausible that the colony included sailors qualified to attempt maybe. the return voyage. Little is known about the pinnace, but ships of its size were capable of making the trip, although... They typically did so alongside other vessels. The colonists may have feared the standard route across the Atlantic Ocean with a stop in the Caribbean would risk a Spanish attack. A Spanish attack. A Spanish attack. A Spanish attack. <laughs> a Spanish attack. <laughs> Nevertheless, it was feasible for the colonists. It was, <laughs> it was feasible for the colonists to attempt a direct course to England. In 1563, French settlers at the Feld, Charles Fort colony, built a crude boat and successfully returned to Europe. Alternatively, the Roanoke colonists could have sailed north along the coast in the hopes of making contact with English fishing fleets in the Gulf of Maine. The pinnace would not have been large enough to carry all of the colonists. Additionally, the provisions needed for the 
transatlantic voyage would further restrict the number of passengers. The colonists may have possessed the resources to construct another seaworthy vessel, vessel using local lumber and spare parts from the pinnace, considering the ships built by survivors of the 1609 Sea Venture shipwreck. It is at least possible that the lost colonists could produce a second ship with the pinnace, could transport most of their party. Even in these ideal conditions, however, at least some colonists would remain in Virginia, leaving open the question, what became of them? Right. So That's crazy. The, um, what was that again? Powhatan. Okay, the Powhatan, yeah. Powhatan attack on Chesapeake Bay. David, okay. yeah, David Quinn concluded that the 1587 colonists sought to relocate their original destination to Chesapeake Bay using the pinnace and other small boats to transport themselves and their belongings. A small group would have been stationed at Croatoan to await John White's return and direct him to the transplanted colony. Following White's failure to locate any of the colonists, because I guess he didn't get the clues and go to Croatoan, where apparently colonists remain to tell him where to go, the main body of the colonists would have quickly assimilated with the Chespians, while the lookouts on Croatoan would have blended into the Croatoan tribe. Quinn suggested that Samuel Mesa's 1602 voyage might have ventured into Chesapeake Bay and kidnapped the Powhatans to bring back to England. From there, these abductees would be able to communicate with Thomas Harriet and might reveal that the Europeans were living in the region. Quinn evidently believed circumstances such as these were necessary to explain optimism about the colonists' survival after 1603. Although accused of slaughtering the colonists and Chespians in separate passages, Quinn decided that these events occurred in a single attack on an integrated community in April 1607. He supposed that the Wahunsian a whatever could have been seeking revenge for the speculative kidnappings by Mace. In Quinn's estimation, John Smith was the first to learn of the massacre, but for a po political consideration, he quietly reported it directly to King James rather than revealing it in his published writings. Despite Quinn's reputation on the subject, almost done, yeah. his peers had reservations about this theory, which relies heavily on the accounts of the Strachey and Puricas. Um, we already covered the Spanish attack, but there's also a conspiracy against Riley. Well, that would make sense if he got taken out for um, treason. There'd be so people on to him. Anthropologist Lee Miller proposed that Sir Francis Walsingham, Simon Fernandez, Edward Strafford, and others participated in a conspiracy to to maroon the 1587 colonists at Roanoke. The purpose of this plot, she argued, was to undermine Walter Riley, whose activities supposedly interfered with Walshingham's covert mechanic, mechanics to make England a Protestant world, Protestant world power at the expense of Spain and other Catholic nations. This conspiracy would have prevented Riley and White from dispatching a relief mission until Walshingham's death in 1590. So this is basically stating maybe it wasn't the Spanish that kept him from getting back. This All of that, it was the fact that they had to wait for this guy to die. Right. Miller also suggested that the colonists may have been separatists seeking refugees in America for, from religious pres prosecution in England. Riley expressed sympathy for the 
separatists while Washington considered them a threat to be eliminated. According to Miller, the colonists split up with small group, with the small group relocating to Croatoan while the main body sought shelter with the Chawanok. Chow- Chow- However, the colonists would quickly spread Europeans' disease, diseases among their hosts and thereby destabilizing the balance of power in the region. From there, Miller reasoned that the tribe was attacked with the survivors taken captive by the Mandago, the Manda, Mando, uh, the Mandoag, whatever. <laughs> the powerful nation to the west of Jamestown colonists only knew from vague accounts of their neighbors. She concluded that the Mana, Mandoag were the Eno who traded the remaining lost colonists as slaves until they were dispersed throughout the region. Miller's theory has been challenged based on Washington's considerable financial support of Raleigh's expeditions and the willingness of Fernandez to bring John White back to England instead of abandoning him with the other colonists. And that's all I have. Okay, Rob and I are going to read a couple things not covered by your theories. Because these are, because we're the, we're not your normal paranormal. We don't play these normal games. Hold on, Robin, I'm scrolling. This has several theories, several of which actually Kylie covered. Um, the columnists were murdered. That's a big one. Um, I found a different page, Robin. Hold on. You can edit this. Okay, I'm going to read this one, and then I'm going to hand it off to Robin so that we can take turns. Let me scroll up, though. I have my I have my um, tablet open. My tablet? It's on 3%. Holy croaks. Okay. Do you have a charger? Yeah. We can switch, and you can plug it in here. It's, it's on my desk. Um... One of them is the word Croton was found carved into a fence post at the abandoned colony and its presence at the site is one of the most confusing mysteries of Roanoke. Now they say that even though the one island was called Croatoan Island. It says, why was it found there? The word Croatoan is also connected with other mysterious happenings over the centuries, each one more puzzling than the last. Right before he died, Edgar Allan Poe disappeared for a short time. Did you know that? We're going to cover Edgar Allan Poe. I am anyway, on a different episode. We may do different people. That's why I said it that way. Anyway, when he was seen again, he was delirious. In his final state of delirium before his death, allegedly, it's not going to reach, but. (laughs) Here, that's all right. Easy. Let me run and hand it off this way. Um. When he was seen again, he was delirious. In this final state of delirium before his death, allegedly one of the last words he said was Croatoan. Poe's official cause of death is unknown, and his medical records and death certificate are lost, so we will never know what happened to him the night that he died. The words also appeared at several other famous disappearances in the 19th and 20th centuries. In 1888, the stagecoach robber Black Bart carved the word into the wall of his cell before he was released from prison. He was never seen or heard from again. It was also found in Amelia Earhart's journey. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
sorry, in Amelia Earhart's journal <laughs> after she disappeared in 1937. Um, the last bed that horror writer Ambrose Bierce slept in before he disappeared in Mexico in 1931 had the word Croatoan carved into one of the posts. In 1921, Croatone was written on the last page of the logbook of the ship Carol A. Deering when it crashed on Cape Hatteras near Croatone Island. The ship was missing its entire crew. Mmm. I think I love stuff like that, people. I'm it sorry. Makes you wonder if they were really all that friendly with them. Well, it also makes you wonder why is Croatone coming up so much in, in later history? Why did Growl and Poe talk about it? So, um, cannibalism. There are two theories about cannibalism. Either the people of Roanoke were the victims of cannibals, or they had to resort to it to stay alive. Other Native American tribes were hostile to outsiders, and they weren't on good terms with the settlers or the Croatoans. One of these groups could have been cannibals. There were never any bodies found at the settlement, but that doesn't mean anything. The bones could have been used for healing remedies by grinding them into a powder. The people of Roanoke could have been picked off gradually, or cannibals could have kidnapped them and disposed of them that way. The fact that no bodies were found sounds like a time-consuming endeavor, but Wyatt was gone for three years. If cannibals attacked the settlers, they had more than enough time to dispose of all the bodies. There is no definitive evidence that any Native American tribes in the area were cannibals, so this is a less likely theory than the people of Roanoke becoming cannibals themselves. They didn't find any bones or graves. There is no definitive evidence that any Native American tribes in the area were cannibals. So this is less likely theory than the... Yeah, I just read that. In 16... Oh, it's, well, it's there again! In 1609, in the settlement of Jonestown, Virginia, the colony had to resort to cannibalism to stay alive. It is possible that the people of Roanoke had to as well. The settlers could have been hungry enough to see cannibalism as a viable option. During the investigations into the disappearance of the settlers, local tribes mentioned that there were internal conflicts in Roanoke before everyone disappeared. The people could have resorted to cannibalism because they were hungry and killed themselves off. An outlandish theory, but an interesting one nonetheless. All right, we're going to do two more and then, and then we'll wrap it up because we're going long. That's okay. It's been a while since we've had an episode. But it's what we do. Okay, I'm going to scroll back up to that one. I'm sorry, people, I'm scrolling. Robin will fix it. Robin is our editing genius, by the way. Okay, I'm going to read this one. It is Supernatural and Religious Explanations. There have been many supernatural and religious explanations that incorporate Native American belief systems. There is no scientific basis for these theories but they are still taken very seriously by the Native American populations as explanations on what happened to the missing settlers of Roanoke. They mainly revolve around Native American spirits that help explain why, that help explain away not only the behavior of the colonists before they disappeared, but also why the colonists disappeared without a trace. Native Americans believe in a wild spirit in the form of a beast called a wendigo. When people resort to eating human flesh, as in the case of cannibalism, their bodies are taken over by a wendigo. If the people of Roanoke resorted to cannibalism, then according to this belief, they were still alive, roaming the woods of North Carolina in the form of Wendigos. The Croatoan belief system includes a spirit on the island that had the power to absorb humans into the landscape. 
If the spirit was offended or angered, it would turn people into trees, animals, stones, or any other part of the land. If the colonists were exploiting resources or abusing the land, it could have angered the spirit. This means that the people of Roanoke didn't disappear at all. They were just absorbed into the land. The Croatoan also believed in the reptilian devil of the woods, an evil spirit that could attach itself to people. This spirit made people violent, greedy, and paranoid. The Croatoan believed that the reptilian spirit had possessed the settlers once they started to turn on each other after White left for England to retrieve more supplies. So nothing more on that spirit, but that makes me want to look it up. So I like that that touched on Wendigos because of what a mango is, which I think is a topic we need to discuss. Yeah, we will. So witchcraft. This is the last one, people. There We're going to wrap it up. There are two theories involving witchcraft. The Croatoan either executed the colonists as witches or the colonists were the victims of witchcraft with, of, of witches who live in the North Carolina woods. The Croatoans believed in witches and witchcraft. Their definition of witches were people who used black magic to commit evil crimes in everyday life. While there is no evidence that the Croatoan executed witches or that the Croatoan accused the people of Roanoke of witchcraft, they were known for condemning dangerous outsiders. They easily could have blamed the people of Roanoke for spreading diseases to which the Croatoan had no immunity. The Croatoans and other Native American tribes tell legends of witches who live in the North Carolina woods who used black magic to hurt people. There is a story that the people of Roanoke became the victim of those these witches when they left the island, and that is why they were never heard from again. So, okay, to wrap it up, because I know we went long, and believe me, when I tell you we could go so much longer, um... Nobody knows what happened to the people of Roanoke. And to top it off, nobody knows where the colony was located on Roanoke Island. So it's a huge, huge, huge mystery. But it's very fascinating. There's a lot of information and books out there for you to um, dig into it yourselves. It's very fascinating. And you could keep going for days and days. Anyway... I guess we're going to wrap it up. Yep, we hope wrap. you enjoyed this episode. We hope it was worth the wait. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great one. Peace.